Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. I think we're going to need a bigger elevator. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you so much, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is September the 8th, and here are some of the headlines we will be looking at. We've got a YouTuber that's in legal trouble, a SAG after update, there's a Reddit lawsuit that's come to light, an interesting Starfield bug, and we're going to take a look at the Labor Day box office weekend and more. Get comfy, friends. Let's get started. our first story, I learned a new term, momfluencer, mom-influencer. It's defined as a mother who shares the early moments of motherhood on social media and often utilizes sites such as Instagram. They also have the term dadfluencer. It's just less common and refers to, you know, a dad. So now that we've established that, the momfluencer behind one of YouTube's most famous channels has just been arrested in Utah under suspicion of two counts of aggravated child abuse. The channel is called Eight Passengers, and the host is a lady by the name of Ruby Frank, and she's currently listed as in custody on the Washington County Sheriff's Office website after being taken into custody back on August the 30th. And it also turns out that her business partner and Connections co-founder, a lady by the name of Jody Hildebrandt, was also arrested that day under the same suspicions. In the state of Utah, the definition of aggravated child abuse includes starvation, broken bones, head injuries from hitting or shaking, and suffocation. If intentionally inflicted, the perpetrator can face up to 15 years in prison and a fine of up to $10,000. Frank's sisters actually released a joint statement to social media following the arrest, stating justice needed to happen. That is one heck of a statement. What do they know? Okay, well, let's just read the statement. The statement goes, for the last three years, we have kept quiet on the subject of our sister, Ruby Frank, for the sake of her children. Behind the public scene, we have done everything we could to try and make sure the kids were safe. The siblings went on to say they wouldn't feel right about posting regular content without addressing Frank's arrest. The statement continued to say Ruby was arrested, which needed to happen. Jody was arrested, which needed to happen. The kids are now safe, which is the number one priority. Now, Frank's estranged daughter, Sherry, also posted a photo to her Instagram of police outside of her mother's home and wrote, finally. 
She added a second story in which she said she and her family were glad the ruby was taken away. Sherry wrote, Today has been a big day. Me and my family are so glad justice is being served. We've been trying to tell the police and CPS for years about this, and we're so glad that they finally stepped up. Now, Sherry is the 20-year-old daughter of Ruby and noted that the kids are safe but acknowledged that there's just a really long road ahead. Okay, well, our eight passengers, YouTube channel. One point, it had about 2.5 million subscribers, and it follows the lives of Ruby, her husband, Kevin, and their six children, Sherry, Chad, Abby, Julie, Russell, and Eve. As for Kevin, the husband, he said via his attorney that his urgent focus is just simply to keep the kids together under his fatherly care. There have been rumors of child abuse that started all the way back in 2020 when the second child, uh, second oldest child, Chad, shared on his vlog that his bedroom had been taken away after he was playing pranks on his younger brother. And the speculation just got worse when Ruby admitted in a video that she wouldn't bring her daughter Eve, who was six years old at the time, she wouldn't bring Eve a packed lunch to school because Eve had forgotten it at home. The Frank family told Insider that they were teaching the kids about consequences of their actions and blamed the viewers for, quote, stirring up drama. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. So apparently after all of that, DCF, the Division of Child and Family Services, had actually opened a case against the Frank family, but it was closed because the allegations were just unsubstantiated. The family, though, just couldn't shake the rumors. What was once a very prolific channel really quickly turned into this desolate space, and eventually it was removed from YouTube altogether. Ruby and Hildebrandt, a therapist whose license was suspended after she talked about a patient's porn addiction at her Mormon church, founded Connections in June of 22 and was immediately accused of being a cult. The YouTube channel for Connections, which is still live, promises to help people successfully navigate life. The group also says it's meant to be a mom's support group, but the videos published by Ruby and Hildebrandt advise parents not to love their children unconditionally. I asked you to protect our family, and you betrayed us all. I'm going to respectfully disagree with that philosophy of not loving your children unconditionally. Not, Not a core belief of mine. But keep in mind, everybody, that despite the statements from the family members and the fact that Frank and Hildebrand have, have been arrested... These are just allegations, innocent until proven guilty. But it really doesn't look good for them. And in the court of public opinion, they are in serious trouble. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the latest chapter in the SAG-AFTRA saga. So SAG-AFTRA has now apparently granted approval for three AMC network shows to restart production, which it's under the controversial provisioning that allows independent projects to continue despite the strike. And I approve this message. Well, that's good to hear, but there's a lot of people that are still split on that decision. Well, the shows involved include Interview with the Vampire, which was shooting in Prague when the strike started, and two different Walking Dead spinoffs. 
The Ones Who Live, and Daryl Dixon. The latter project was on hiatus and now can resume shooting in France. SAG-AFTRA had granted the interim agreements to more than about 300 projects, I think, since the strike began back in mid-July. And these agreements allow productions that are not connected to the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers to keep shooting, provided that they abide by the terms of SAG-AFTRA's last proposal to the studios. Well, AMC and its production arm, which is called Stalwart Films, they're not members of the Alliance, but they are authorized companies, which means that they adhere to the terms negotiated by the studio group. These interim agreements have been pretty controversial within SAG-AFTRA. Many members feel they're completely undermining the solidarity of the strike itself. Now, The Walking Dead Daryl Dixon is due to premiere on September the 10th on AMC, starring Norman Reedus in the title role, who he's reprising his character from the original series. AMC announced back in July that it would get a second season. And once SAG-AFTRA reaches an agreement with the AMPTP, these interim agreements will be adjusted to reflect those terms. But that's not all that's going on. What now? Well, SAG-AFTRA is now calling on members to vote on whether or not the union should be given authority in order to declare a strike for video game actors and performers as well. The union is currently negotiating the terms of its interactive media agreement with a number of video game publishers, developers, and service firms. If the members vote to authorize the strike, it doesn't necessarily mean strike action will take place. Instead, a SAG-AFTRA explanation says it gives the union the option to initiate a strike if the negotiations with these companies fails to produce a deal that satisfies their members. SAG-AFTRA is currently preparing to bargain with 10 companies that handle voice, motion, and performance capture in video games, which includes... Activision, Blind Light, Disney Character Voices, Electronic Arts, Epic, Formosa Interactive, Insomniac Games, Take-Two Productions, VoiceWorks Productions, and Warner Brother Games. SAG-AFTRA emphasized that this interactive media agreement is a totally separate contract and is not going to have any impact on the other strike. But voting for eligible members is going to close at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on September the 25th. The vote was unanimously approved by the national board for SAG-AFTRA. So we got to wait another couple of weeks to find out, are the video games voice actors, are they about to join a strike? Are they going to start picketing or are they just going to keep doing what they're doing? And I say we fight back. Are you with me? Yay or nay? Which one means yes? Yay. Well, this could get messy. Throughout the years, Reddit has become just one of the most popular social media platforms. It has over 1.5 billion active users monthly. And if you remember several, several episodes ago, we talked about the fact that subreddits on the platform recently grouped together in protest after the company revealed massive price hikes to its application programming interface. And it saw most third-party apps closing their doors. There was a lot of drama, a lot of subreddits that closed. It, It was a mess. Well, Reddit has found itself in a pickle 
again, as an ex-employee has now filed a lawsuit against the company. After she was allegedly terminated for her lackluster performance the day she came back from being on medical leave. Ah, crap. Yeah, sounds about right. As reported by the San Francisco Standard, former Reddit accountant Jamie Lee filed a lawsuit against the internet company back on August the 28th. And in the lawsuit, Jamie says that when she told her supervisor, Sung Wong, about the medical leave of absence, her boss pushed back and complained that Lee was going to be missing a meeting in Los Angeles and the company would be making crucial decisions while she was gone. Well, Lee claims that after returning from her medical leave on, on the 18th of November of 2022, she was fired by that exact same boss for poor performance on that same day. It's really hard to perform well when you're not even there. I promise to start thinking about paying you. The complaint goes on to mention that Wong had given Lee really, really good performance reviews and even had given Jamie her highest raise just one month prior to her medical leave. In total, Jamie Lee has listed nine complaints against Reddit that include various ADA and FMLA issues as well as defamation. We're going to make sure we update you if we hear anything else about this lawsuit because this could get really juicy. Singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett, the man who popularized beach bum soft rock with that escapist Caribbean flavored song Margaritaville and turned that celebration of loafing in the sand into a billion dollar empire of restaurants, resorts, and frozen concoctions has passed away at the age of 76. According to the statement posted on his official website and his social media pages, they said Jimmy passed away peacefully on the night of September 1st. He was surrounded by his family, his friends, music, and dogs. He lived his life like a song till the very last breath and will be missed beyond measure by so many. Now, the statement didn't say where he passed away or it didn't give a cause of death. Illness had forced him to reschedule several concerts back in May, and Buffett himself even acknowledged in social media posts that he had been hospitalized, just didn't give any specifics. That's fine. It's his personal business. But it has been later revealed that Jimmy Buffett was diagnosed four years ago with Merkel cell carcinoma, which is a very rare and a very aggressive skin cancer and caused complications that he passed from. Margaritaville, one of his most recognizable songs, was released back in, on February 14th of 1977. And it just really quickly took on a life of its own. It became like a state of mind for those wasted away and an excuse for a life of low-key fun and escapism from those growing older but not growing up they indu they inducted that song into the grammy hall of fame in 2016 for its cultural and historic significance look if the thing has become a karaoke standard and it really helped brand key west florida as a distinct sound of music and destination known the world over look we all know key west Soon that that song, I mean, it just inspired restaurants and resorts and it turned Buffett's alleged desire for this simplicity of island life into this multi-million dollar brand. His special Gulf Coast mix of country, pop, folk and rock added instruments and tonalities really kind of more commonly found in the Caribbean, steel drums specifically. It was just this, really this big stew pot of steel pans and trombones. I mean, 
he had this this ability to meld all these different sounds together and just come up with some of the catchiest music in the world and included really interesting lyrics like fish tacos and sunset buffett is survived by his wife jane his daughters savannah and sarah and his son cameron rest in peace jimmy you know it's probably got to be five o'clock somewhere wherever you are So Bethesda Softworks has basically become synonymous with bugs. So much so that the CEO, Todd Howard, has even cracked jokes about them. Well, Starfield is here, everybody, five years after its announcement in 2018 at E3. And apparently there is one bug that was so much fun that Bethesda's studio head actually asked the game developers not to fix it. Don't talk to anyone, don't touch anything, don't do anything, don't interact with anyone, and try not to look at anything. See, even Doc Brown didn't really want it messed with. Well, in an interview with GameIndustry.biz, Pete Hines discussed the technical issues that Bethesda's games have become somewhat infamous over the years. And in response, he, he just basically shrugged off any Starfield bugs, asking, well, of course there's bugs, but does it take away from your experience? And in fact, he suggested that one bug was so much fun, it may have actually heightened his experience with the game. He said, quote, on Neon, which is a planet covered entirely in water with a city that sits on top of it, we had a bug where a shark was able to get on an elevator. Then the elevator doors would open onto a street level and the shark would just come sliding out. Everybody screams and starts running in every direction. I'm laying into it with weapons. People are screaming. The guards are running. Honestly, this kind of sounds like a scene from the Meg. But putting aside whatever alien sharks might exist on Neon and the resulting possibility of them being intelligent enough to use a lift, uh, one might have thought that that would be kind of the bug you'd aim to iron out pretty quickly. But not Heinz. He said, I quote, do not take this bug out of the game, end quote. Unfortunately, Heinz says he's almost positive the team ignored that particular feedback, so eh, you're pretty unlikely to discover any elevator-dwelling great whites on planet Neon or anywhere else, but in the long term, eh, it was probably a wise decision to fix it. Starfield performance is looking pretty good, and while there were some bugs when I was playing it, I've encountered far less than what I usually expected based on my time with other Bethesda games. Eh, no sharks, though. Pity. I know. I was kind of looking forward to seeing it. To me, this is prime Renaissance and medieval fair season. Honestly, I'll be visiting one myself in just a few weeks. But every August, Lockswood Joust takes place in Billingshurst in the southeast of England, and it describes itself as the most spectacular 
immersive medieval and jousting festival where the attendees can, you know, step back in time to experience the verve and vigor of a world where lives were harsh, hearts were full of passion at this unique, fun, and educational day out for all of the family. I really want to go to this one now. But this year was definitely a little more unique as the tournament had a surprise attendee. Venom actor Tom Hardy just so happened to show up. He has been Venom, he's been Mad Max, Bane from the Batman series, but this guy just shows up like the Black Prince in Night's Tale. He may appear to be of humble origins, but my personal historians have discovered that he is descendant from an ancient royal line. Eh, who knows? That actually could be true. Well, back on August the 13th, Hardy shared on his Instagram story the caption, This might have happened today. Random day out in the English countryside, nipping to the shops. Along with a video of himself completely clothed out in chainmail, armor, and facing off against an opponent. He then added, Not quite BJJ, but not bad either which is referring to the Brazilian jiu-jitsu he practices, in which he has a purple belt. And as for Hardy, when he's not jousting or doing martial arts, he's currently working on several new movies that are on the way in the next couple of months, which includes Venom 3, action thriller Havoc, which is directed by The Raid's Gareth Evans, and The Bike Riders, which also stars Austin Butler. Venom 3 is set to hit the big screen on July 12th of 2024. Maybe we can see a sword fighting scene? Outstanding. Now, let's bite all the heads off and follow them up in the corner. Why would we do that? Now, that is an excellent question. Probably means we won't get that sword fighting scene then. So, a record was set this past month. On August the 27th, All Elite Wrestling came to London for the first time ever to put on their first overseas pay-per-view, and it was called All In London. The Jacksonville-based company is only four years old, but is very quickly challenging the big boy of the wrestling world, World Wrestling Entertainment. Many went on to say that AEW was just way too small to be able to fill the number of seats in the Grand Wembley Stadium, but AEW, under the leadership of Tony Khan, soon proved everyone wrong. Ahead of the August 27th event, it was reported that the show had broken the record for the most paid tickets sold for a wrestling event, ever. But during the event, it was also revealed that there was a total of 81,035 paid attendance at London's Wembley Stadium, which officially marked AEW All In as the biggest paid ticketed event in wrestling history. But those actually were not the final numbers. It's now been confirmed by PW Insider that this number reflected the 100% legitimate paid attendance to the ticket, meaning that there were actually more than the 81,000 people in attendance. This is just the exact number of fans who paid for the ticket. This doesn't even include any comps, visitors, uh, invitees. AEW wanted the paid number to be touted without any kind of overinflation. And it was previously indicated that with staff and comps and visitors, that the actual number of individuals in Wembley was closer to 90,000. Huge, absolutely amazing numbers. And I really hope some of y'all got to see some of that action because it was really incredible. And as a result, Tony Khan announced they're returning to London next year. But wait, there's more. 
No, I mean, that was pretty much the whole story. Why? What happened? Ah, crap. Bender, I really don't like it when you do that. It's never a good sign. Okay, so with every great event, there's always just, you know, going to be a touch of drama. I mean, it's to be expected. But unfortunately, this event dominated the news cycle to such a degree that the celebration of the successful pay-per-view was pretty much eclipsed for several days. There was an incident, and I'm going to use that term pretty loosely here. An incident occurred backstage at All In, where wrestler CM Punk, whose real name is Philip Brooks, had a physical confrontation with a fellow wrestler by the name of Jack Perry. The name may be a little familiar. He's the son of actor Luke Perry of the 90210 fame. That altercation was rumored to have been triggered by Perry making a comment to the camera in reference to a verbal disagreement with Punk from a previous episode. And so when he returned backstage, Punk got his feelings hurt. He got mad. He started pushing. There was some shoving and everything ended when Punk put Harry put Perry in a headlock. And eventually, after it got broken up, he somehow lunged towards Tony Khan. Not a good decision. Well, you know, I hope he really enjoyed it because now Punk is out. All Elite Wrestling has terminated the wrestler and his employment agreements with cause effective immediately. That termination follows a week-long internal investigation of the incident. Because they've been trying to kill me since the day I was born. Let's face it. Punk has a very colorful past with wrestling companies. Punk was fired from the WWE back in 2014 and joined AEW in August of 2021. There was much drama after that. He won the championship belt, which he had to vacate because of an injury, but he got it back in September of 22. Then he made some really not-so-nice comments about some of the executive vice presidents of AEW. They all got into a physical fight. They all got suspended. I mean, it's a lot, right? And it's really just been exhausting for a lot of the fan base. Two hours later. Okay, well, more like nine months, the punk baby was reborn uh, from his suspension. But this return only lasted like two months. He came back in June of 2023 with the debut of AEW's new show, Collision. But since this was a termination with cause, look, y'all, he's not coming back. So we can only guess as to where he's going to end up next. You know, but word to the wise, don't go after your boss like that. Also, just a little postscript to it, uh, Punk's best friend, Ace Steel, was also just terminated from the company. I mean, this is like literally just happened. He was one of the people that was involved in the big fight between the EVPs and was suspended as well. He's not a wrestler anymore. He's more of a background guy, but he's been on camera several times with Punk and he's helped him. And I'm going to say that loosely, he's helped him. Um, but as a condition of his return, Punk wanted Ace back in the back again as kind of his ally. Well, now that Punk is gone, they don't really have a reason to keep Ace around. The rumors really were that Ace was there to keep Punk under control and kind of a little calmer because of his, not necessarily his ability, just but his propensity to go off because he's a very passionate individual is what they say. Um, so they don't have a use for him anymore. So yeah, so Ace is out as well. Um, you know, I wish them both the best, honestly. You never want to see something like this happen. It's just Punk could have, as the veteran wrestler, he, he could have just backed off. He could have stepped aside and told Perry, we're not doing this right now. I've got a show to be on. He was literally about to walk out to do his match with Samoa Joe. And 
he he really could have just walked away and been the bigger person but no he let his temper get a, 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 the best of him again um and this time he's out so um best of luck to you punk you've got a pretty mighty fan base that's gonna follow you no matter where you go everyone yes let's let's talk a little bit of good news i mean we've we've had a lot of depressing news lately so let's talk about a happy story there's a brazilian youtuber who goes by the name fraternidad crypto my apologies my portuguese my portuguese is just terrible he made the most generous donation of sixty thousand dollars in cryptocurrency to his audience okay on accident of course and it left him in tears but they were tears of joy okay real quick what is crypto well cryptocurrency is digital or virtual currency it's secured by cryptography which is supposed to make it nearly impossible to counterfeit or double spend and it basically it's encoded currency not maintained by any kind of centralized authority like a bank it's supposed to be pretty secured, I mean, until you make a mistake. So let's check back in with Fraternity Dad. The streamer accidentally exposed his private keys during a broadcast back on August the 31st. And now, really, that just sounds quite naughty, doesn't it? He wasn't quick enough to transfer his funds out of that account, resulting in his very generous $60,000 donation being given to everybody. A real big now, amazingly enough, Fraternidade was contacted by the receiver of his generous donation, who then decided to hand all well, 50,000 of it back, feeling like, you know, he took a little more than his fair share. He was just, he was so moved by the streamer's tears. I mean, this is wholesome, y'all. Fraternidade then explained that he received a message on Discord from one of his viewers after he returned from the police station where he shared the news about his chat's great fortune and the two got into a phone call. The receiver of the donation said, I know I messed up. I know I did what I did was bad. And then he hung up and he left. Now, the streamer admits he may have been too soft on the guy, but he claims he was embarrassed, you know, by his wealth, I'm sure. However, it does seem like the receiver's guilty conscience isn't exactly going to get him off the hook. I mean, he's probably going to have to pay taxes on this gift, and police are still looking into the remaining funds. You know, as, you know, quite a few people tried to gain access to this money, but apparently there was just not enough to go around. And there was another viewer, for instance, who appeared to have received nineteen hundred as his gift, and he's, you know currently under investigation as well hopefully not for you know anything like you know tax evasion it's time for the box office breakdown welcome back to the weekly box office review let's see who took top spot on this labor day weekend
Well, it looked like Denzel Washington is back at the top of the box office. His new movie, The Equalizer 3, made an estimated $42 million at the domestic box office over the four-day holiday weekend, making it the second highest Labor Day weekend ever. Well, now Marvel Studios' 2021 movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, it still holds the holiday weekend's record with $94.6 million, and that was two years ago. So Equalizer 3, it sees Washington, who is now 68, and he looked really good for 68, return as the character of Robert McCall, who's decided to take up a quiet life in southern Italy, but eventually just comes to blows with the local members of the Mafia. Guys just cannot leave for Robert alone. The third movie in Washington's Equalizer franchise with director Antoine Fuqua has Washington reunite with Dakota Fanning, of all people, 19 years after they made the 2004 hit Man on Fire. Equalizer 3 has positioned itself as the conclusion of a trilogy for Washington, although the director has said he's open to spinoffs. So while Washington's new movie took the top of the domestic box office, Barbie did hold second place as it took in another $10.6 million, which raises the overall box office performance in the U.S., to $609 million. This is coming from Box Office Mojo. Barbie is the highest grossing movie of the year so far. Blue Beetle, Gran Turismo, and Oppenheimer rounded out the top five films over the holiday weekend. And now for something different. All right, for this one, I'm going to take you to a place called Auburn, Washington. And in Auburn, Washington, there is a track for live horse racing in this suburban Seattle area. It's called the Emerald Downs. But things took a little prehistoric turn back on August the 20th, as more than 200 people ran down the track cloaked in the inflatable Tyrannosaurus Rex dinosaur costume. Okay. I actually kind of want to see this one in person. This sounds hilarious. The 2023 T-Rex World Championships at Emerald Downs, which is an event that started back in 2017 as a pest control company's team building activity. And that's just awesome. It ended in a photo finish this year with three different competitors hitting the finish line together. Ocean Kim took the top honors in the 100-yard dash after officials agreed that Kim of Kalua, Hawaii, hit the finish wire just slightly ahead of the pack. Second place went to Colton Weiniger of Boise, Idaho, who entered as Dino the Dino, and Seth Hershey of Renton as Rex Ray Machine finished in third. You know, okay, so now I have the scene in my head from Jurassic World. You know, the part where Claire, the, the main lady there, is running and in heels, no less. And the T-Rex is chasing her. She's got the flare. And, you know, she's waving it back and forth because they're going after the, the, you know, the big dino. But now Betty Hill music is playing and now the T-Rex is a dude in a costume. Yeah. Hey, Raven, you think we could get one of those costumes? I think you could rock it. <laughs> no. Party pooper.
the Great Wall of China. You're probably at least a little familiar with it. It's a series of fortifications that were built across the historical northern borders of ancient Chinese states and Imperial China as protection against you know, various nomadic groups from Eurasian steppe. It spans 13,170 miles, which is 21,196 kilometers for all of my non-U.S. audience. Love you guys. So the function of the wall is just it's no longer necessary, at least I think. And every year, thousands flock to see it. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient and the modern world. But due to the crumbling nature of some of the parts, you know, with erosion and other concerns, the Chinese government has enacted visitor limits in some areas, upwards to like a daily limit of 65,000 people, especially in one particular section called Badalain. So now you know. But that's only part of the story for today. China's Great Wall, it's been pierced by Genghis Khan, the Manchus, and now allegedly a couple of construction workers named Zhang and Wang who wanted a shortcut. Haven't you guys ever heard of a shortcut? Come on! Well, sure, I've heard of a shortcut before, but not like this. Authorities in China arrested the two people for smashing a path through a section of the ancient wall. Yeah, you heard what I said. I said smashing. The area of the breach was already kind of broken down. It was far from these restored segments that most of the Chinese and forest tourists are familiar with. So peace already broken. They just made the hole in the wall bigger. The pair wanted a shorter route for some of the construction work that they were doing in nearby towns, according to this government report. So wait, if the section was already broken, why did they damage it more? I mean, did it really need to be bigger? Yeah, they enlarged it because the excavator they were using was too big and they didn't want to drive around. So, I mean, I, I guess what else are you going to do in that situation? All right, well, you have convinced me that that is indeed an option. So the Yoyu County government said the arrests were made after it was reported uh, about the breach on August the 24th. So somebody ratted them out. And it was said that the two suspects, who was identified as a 38-year-old man surnamed of Zhang and a 55-year-old woman surnamed Wang, were in custody with a further legal action pending. This particular section lies in the Shanxi province, which is at the western extreme of the wall parts of which were constructed, you know, 2,000 years ago. It is relatively well-preserved, and it does hold important preservation and research value. People, I swear, will really do almost anything these days, including damaging an international treasure just to save time. Yikes. All right, well, we found out that SAG-AFTRA will loosen the reins on some things, but is getting ready to tighten down on some others. Hopefully, going to find some awesome technical bugs in Starfield. We got some medieval jousting, there was a punk that got the boot, T-Rex racing, and another hole in the Great Wall. Pretty neat stuff. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments, so you can see what I see and more. Also... Don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. 
Remember guys, stay comfy in that starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.